All right, and welcome to the Miami Sports Pod, uh, non-playoff edition for the Miami Dolphins. Will Manso and Clay Fiorero. First of all, a happy new year to everyone listening. We were hoping, Clay, to begin 2021 talking Dolphins playoffs, talking a big win on the road in Buffalo or help somewhere else. Nothing worked out for the Finns on Sunday. So here is it stands, 10-6. and six. Dolphins were a complete mess on Sunday. They're not in the playoffs. Your initial take on everything that happened is what, Clay? Ooh, the initial take. My initial take is, uh, is disappointment. I, I thought they would find a way to get in. I thought there were just so many things that they only needed one and, and everything went against them. My gut was always that at some point in that game, Buffalo would pull guys out. And as long as Miami kept it close up to that point, then you would, you would be okay. And then, man, they, they didn't do any of that. And, and so, you know, you, you take away that Buffalo's a phenomenal team. Josh Allen is going to be a pain to deal with in the AFCs for a long time. Tom Brady leaves, and now here's Josh Allen all of a sudden looking like uh, Patrick Mahomes. So um, my initial takeaway was disappointment that they didn't get in. And, and now I think you, you start the postmortem of why. Yeah. Why didn't they get in, and what do they have to fix? And, and I think it's pretty clear. Sunday was everything, right? Sunday, everything went, went poor. I mean, you can't just blame the offense. The defense, which had been so good throughout the season, was terrible. But I think, Clay, to your right. point, I think we all, those who are listening, and you know where I'm going with this, and I think it's the only direction most are going to go when they think of the Dolphins' big picture is, did you find your quarterback at Tua Tungabaloa? And look, social media isn't a guide on and, and the standard of everything, but certainly you do read a lot of takes and post that loss in Buffalo and then not making the playoffs, the takes have been, maybe Tua's not the guy. Uh, maybe Tua is not as good as they thought he would be. Uh, he, he certainly struggled with the three interceptions on Sunday in Buffalo. But, Clay, I think you and I are on the same page. How do you really know what you have in Tua in nine, ten games in, with an offense that, quite frankly, doesn't have playmakers and an offensive scheme of Chan Gailey that didn't really do much other than dink and dunk with Tua and try to keep things safe? How is it shouldn't be the plan that you get weapons for him to see what you have before you judge and say, hey, maybe he's not the guy. Yeah, and I think anybody who says that they know definitively is clueless. Clueless. And, and I, because now I, I mean that outside of the building. I'm not talking about inside that building. The one thing that I've kind of learned, and, and we're really fortunate in this age now where you can find information, you can, you can study these all 22s, you can study the film and all that. The one thing I've learned over time, though, is you really have no clue. <laughs> like, there's so much that you don't know about what guys are trying to do, what the coaches are trying to do, what the quarterback is instructed to do. But the people who – go ahead. We're not in those meetings. We don't know what to – No, no. You, you know, and, and this was – you know, without giving away too much, I learned a lot uh, by sitting in with a coach one time who basically said, look, this is why pro football focus has no clue what they're talking about and explained why they thought something was supposed to happen when it was not. And, and I learned at that point that, that you can know so much about this and still so, know so little. So, well, what I would say is I don't know. I have no clue. I can't say definitively if Tua is the guy. But I think that given what the Dolphins have when it comes to draft capital, when it comes to salary cap space, they're going to tell us with their actions what they think. And they have a much better idea than we do. You know, you look in, and we're sitting here kind of waiting for the, the picks to shake out here as we're recording this. I mean, you get a top five pick, 
you're going to have a chance at a really good quarterback up there if you choose to get one. And you're also going to have a chance at likely the best receiver in the draft, whether it's Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, take your choice. You have a lot of cap space. You can go out and get the best. So if they choose to go the route of doing what you just said, then it would tell me that they're confident inside that building that they've got their quarterback. But I think the good thing here, Will, is that they have that option. They will know, and, and they have enough capital available to them. They're going to be picking high enough to where if they don't think he's the guy, they're going to be able to go out and get somebody that they think will be. I, I just don't – I can't imagine – and, again, you said it best. We, we're not in that building. None of us are. Not our listeners, not other fellow media, not other teams, not other analysts nationally. We don't know the logic and the thinking within the building in Davy for the Miami Dolphins. But I do know this. They thought highly enough to draft him in the top five this last year, meaning two a top yep. They knew going into the season that this was a rebuild, meaning offensively, there were still a lot of pieces. Look, you had three at times, three starting offensive linemen that were rookies. You had really just one playmaker you can count on in Devontae Parker. And even he, unfortunately, because of injuries, wasn't as consistent as you wanted to be. You had another one that you hoped for, Preston Williams, who because of an injury we haven't seen, of, we didn't see in the last month plus, down the stretch. You have Jakeem Grant, who I know they re-signed and they like his playmaking ability, but let's face it, he's not what you call a number two receiver or a, a guy like that you count on like when you need those weapons. So what I'm saying is they knew that Tua was going to work his rookie season with a limited, a limited offense and some obstacles in the offensive line with the youth and the lack of playmakers. And yet they also knew because of it, they had to be conservative with him. Chan Gailey, Look, for all that fans rip Chan Gailey, and I was as guilty of it in the last month, especially ripping Chan Gailey. Clay, you know this as well as I do. Chan Gailey is the offensive coordinator. And Brian Flores is the head coach. If Brian Four. Flores wants a more open offense, Brian Flores could tell Chan Gailey, hey, Chan, open up the damn offense. Take some chances. Obviously, in those meetings, in those discussions, Brian Flores felt the best opportunity for the Dolphins to win, win games, and including the last one at Buffalo, was play good defense, make plays, hope that you get good field position, and don't put it all on Tua. That worked for many of his starts. It didn't against quality teams in big games, and we saw it against Buffalo. That is obviously not the plan long term. So to your point, yes, the Dolphins will have a draft position where they can go another direction. I just don't understand how they could do that, not knowing what Tua can do with weapons. Now, if you go out and you get a Devontae Smith, a Jamar Chase, you know, whatever pick in that first round, and you go out or you sign an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or those guys that are out there that are free agent wide receivers, and then you bring back Tua and Tua doesn't progress, then you can sit there and say, hey, maybe Tua is good, but maybe Tua is not what we wanted him to be. But right now, I just don't see any situation where they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. I know they'll, they'll lead it on, and I know that they'll hope that teams trade up to try to get one. But to me, you have to give two a pieces, and that should be the priority of the offseason. I'm glad you said that because, look, get ready for this, Dolphins fans, because you're going to spend the next – you know, we're recording this, what, January 3rd, January 4th, and days are running together. But you're going to spend the next three and a half months, if not more, hearing about how much the Dolphins love Zach Wilson and how much they love Justin Fields and, and how much they love Trey Lance and, and insert your quarterback du jour who shoots up – the boards, because if you remember back to the draft this past year, that's what you heard about every quarterback who was there. The Dolphins loved all of them because the Dolphins love to play this misinformation game. So whether they want a quarterback or not, 
you're going to hear it. You're also going to hear that they love Jamar Chase. You're also going to hear that they love Panay Sewell. You're, you're going to hear every single player who is potentially in the top five connected to the Dolphins because they want everybody to be completely clueless about what they're going to do. So, Will, I, I, I think the one thing, and, and I tweeted this out, there's, there's a lack of trust somewhere with this offense. Either the coaches don't trust Tua, Tua doesn't trust his receivers, the coaches don't trust the receivers, or none of them trust the offensive line. Oh, it could be or all Tua doesn't trust himself. It could be all the above. It could be. And, and I think that's the most likely scenario here. And, and someone else, and forgive me, I, I'm, I can't remember who tweeted it, but I thought it was a, a very interesting tweet that Tua looks like a completely different quarterback right now than he did, say, four weeks ago. That before the Denver game in particular, remember he went up there and, and the Broncos defense had been the best that he had seen up to that point because the Rams game was kind of an anomaly as great as their defense was. He didn't have to do much. Yeah. So he went into Denver and, and he just didn't look like the same quarterback who led them to a fourth quarter comeback in Arizona. And the question I have, Will, and, and I think that there are people in that building that can answer this a lot better than we can, is that because Preston Williams got hurt? Is that because – Devontae Parker got banged up. Is that because Mike Gesicki got banged up? Is that because offensive linemen got hurt? I mean, it's probably a combination of all of those things, as you said. The one thing that I think we know for a fact is that receivers were not getting open at all. And, and somebody tweeted this, too. The separation wasn't big. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that Tua and, and Fitzpatrick, this was heading into last weekend, had the second and third highest percentage of tight window throws of all NFL quarterbacks. Well, I mean, you don't want to throw in the tight window if you don't have to. But they had to because nobody was open. So, bottom line, it's clear that guys for the Dolphins were not getting open. The question is why. Is it because they're not good enough? Is it because the scheme was wrong? Is it because the quarterbacks are not throwing them open? My guess is that – or number four, is it because the offensive line isn't holding up well enough? My guess is that it's some combination more so of the first two of those, that they're not good enough to get open because they're either hurt or you're playing with guys who would likely be practice squad guys if you didn't have the injuries. And, and it's just going to take some time and, and also a chance to bring in some guys that, you know, are, are like the guys that two were through to at Alabama. The Alabama receivers he had are better than the ones they have right now with the Dolphins. Yeah, and I think, too, look, I, I want to make this clear because I think sometimes it gets lost in the conversation of social media. Social media can be so black and white and this and that. And it's got to be, you know, it's got to be an extreme to another extreme. There can never be nuance. There can never be something in the middle. And the reality with two is we can say that it's silly that the Dolphins would try to jump ship from two and, and, and draft a quarterback early or give up on him without weapons. And at the same time say, and I think Clay, you and I haven't talked about this this much. So I'm curious to hear your take, but I think you'll understand, you'll, you'll agree with me a bit it's okay to say that Tua wasn't that good this year. It's okay no. to say that Tua, even coming back from injury and, you know, the rehab and the surgery and the weight, that maybe there were times where he, he could have showed more that you kind of sit there thinking, man, that's not necessarily the Tua we saw in Alabama. I think early on his decision-making was excellent, meaning, he, you know, we and I talked about this, his quick twitch, his, his jumping back and forth, his, his going through the progressions. I think that, especially early in his NFL career, he was good at that. I think as teams got more film on him, I think as defenses learned a little bit more about what he was looking at and confused him a bit, I think you saw a little bit of that, I don't want to say nerves, but that rookie energy, that uncertainty that most rookie quarterbacks go through. Yes, there are cases, and everybody's going to point to Justin Herbert and the huge numbers he's put up for the Chargers. 
I get it. They're completely different quarterbacks. But with Tua, I think the problem with him down the stretch was he did regress. It's okay to say that and still say, hey, I think he can be the guy. Now, to your point on all the different reasons, yes, part of that regression could have been because he has no confidence in his receivers. He doesn't want to turn the ball over throwing into tight windows. I mean, look, on Sunday, he tried to throw a little quick out to, to Devontae Parker, who fell, and it turned into a pick six with Josh Norman. Those things get into a quarterback's head. And, oh, yes, let's also not discount the elephant in the room, the fact that Tua, for much of his rookie season, had to worry that he was going to get pulled in the fourth quarter for Ryan Fitzpatrick. At some point, the Dolphins, and you would hope it's next season, have got to sink or swim with Tua. Let him go through a whole schedule. Hopefully he's healthy, he looks good in camp, you give him his weapons, and he gets a 16-game schedule to show you what he can do with those weapons and with that growth. I think that's the only fair and logical way to do it. But again, there's criticism to Tua. It's okay to criticize Tua because there are some areas where he should be criticized and you, would, and you shouldn't be surprised. He's a rookie playing his first time through the go-around in the league. It's not easy. And it's so funny because I'm sitting here now watching the end of this Titans-Texans game. And as, as we speak, uh, Texans are down 38-35, 26 seconds ago. They got a fourth and 10 at, at the Tennessee 33-yard line. So I'm saying all this because the difference between where the Finns may draft, like if they draft third, and it, you, you and I have talked about this, and we're going to have months to talk about this. I think there are three quarterbacks that, that are just phenomenal in this draft class. And obviously the two that everybody talked about heading into the year were Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields. And, and clearly what Fields did in the, in the Sugar Bowl uh, kind of reaffirmed that. Um, and, and so Zach Wilson to me is another guy who I think is just phenomenal. So with all that said, it, it's one of those weird years where I agree with you. At some point you, you have to commit to him to figure out if he is the guy, but at the same time, I don't think the Dolphins are going to be drafting in the top five, certainly not with a quarterback class this good, hopefully for the rest of Brian Flores' tenure. And because I think what we've seen with, with Flores is he's built this foundation here that even a journeyman in Ryan Fitzpatrick could lead this team potentially to uh, the, the fringe of the playoffs. They went 10-6 and six this year. That's the one that you would think, Clay, from listening to our pod, without that the Dolphins went 6-10. and 10. You're right, right. Ten and, six. Well, and I and Will, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I I feel so good about where this franchise is heading because the foundation is there, and there's so many pieces there that you feel great about moving forward. And and I understand this. Okay, you need to have the franchise quarterback, and and so like if if in that building they decide that Tua is the guy, you're so blessed right now because you're going to have a, a top five pick. And you're going to be able to put either the best lineman that we've seen in a few years in Sewell or the best receiver in college football, a guy that probably going to win the Heisman in Devontae Smith or a guy who was thought to be even better than him, Jamar Chase. You're so blessed that you're going to have the ability to get not a blue chip prospect, a gold chip prospect to help Tua, plus another first round pick later that you could fortify that offense again. But if you're not sure about him, you also have a chance to take one of these three quarterbacks that I think could potentially be, be game-changing NFL players. And right. so I, to me, Will, and, and this, this gets back to what we said right at the out, outset, so let's bring it full circle. This is not, this is not good for, for hot take radio. This is not good for Twitter. This is not – the truth here is that none of us know for sure. 
the truth here is that Brian Flores and Chris Greer have a lot more information to go on here than we do. And the truth is that the decision that they're going to make is going to be more informed than anything that we spout off here in a podcast. So I'm going to trust what they ultimately do. The bottom line for me, Will, is that it was disappointing they couldn't get in the playoffs this year. It doesn't change the fact that they have some really clear needs across this team. And finally, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that they've got so many great pieces, foundational pieces moving forward that whoever ends up ultimately being the quarterback, and I do think it'll be Tua, but whoever you go with is going to be surrounded by guys that are going to give them a chance to be very successful moving forward because they got the cap space and the picks to do it. Yeah, it's true. I think the flexibility – the ability to go ahead in those directions, I keep going back to look. It, I, I'll say this right now, Clay. Here we are, the first week of 2021. In a few months, this draft will come up and we'll figure out all this stuff. And like you said, we've got forever to talk about it. But I look at it this way I, you could write it down. We could save this part of the pod and we can go back and revisit it and say, Will, you were wrong and you're stupid. But I would be beyond shocked if the Dolphins organization felt that quarterback was the way to go in this draft and that. Tua Tungvaloa was done after one year. I, because here's the thing, Clay. You know this as, as well as I do, given what happened with Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen. If the Dolphins take Justin Fields, if the Dolphins take Wilson uh, in that first round, in that whatever pick they have in that top five, if they do that... Tua's gone. Tua's done. That's it. Yep. This isn't a... I, I know people say, like, oh, you got to give the kid competition. No, 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 no. You don't draft in the no. top five when you just drafted a quarterback in the top five the next year for competition. So that is quite the signal from the Dolphins that they're cutting loose of Tua, not cutting him, but moving on from him, obviously, in some way in a trade or whatever it may be. And I just don't see that happening. I just don't. There's no other way of putting it. I don't see that. I would be shocked. And, again, we can go back and say, hey, Will, you were wrong. You, read, you misread that 100%. I would be the first to admit it. But I think the plan has always been let Tua get his feet wet, let the kid work under the offense. At some point, you got to take training wheels off and get him weapons to see how he can cook. Put him out there and see what he can do. And I think that's next year. I, I agree with you completely. I, I, I would be very surprised as well. I think the thing, if you're a Dolphins fan, you've got to feel really confident in, in addition to everything else that I've just said, is that Brian Flores doesn't care about anybody's feelings when it comes to this business. You know, he, he got rid of assistant coaches after his first year on the job. So if at the end of all of this, at the end of the evaluation period, which they're going to get started on very, very quickly – Brian Flores decides, you know what? Chan Gailey just wasn't it. Chan Gailey will be gone if he decides that, you know, you know what? Tua's just not it. Tua will be gone, or he will be a backup until they can find a, a trade partner. Or if ultimately he decides, you know what? We're really confident in these guys, but the other ones that we have around them, the pass catchers there, who we've built really good relationships with, who have helped us build this foundation, we love them as human beings, but they didn't get the job done. So they will get rid of those guys and bring in guys who can get the job done. So I just, I, again, and I'm not saying this just because we cover the team. I'm not saying that. I just think the future is so bright for this franchise. I've felt this way the last couple of weeks. I, this loss to me doesn't change anything. Uh, Titans, by the way, just beat the, the Texans. So uh, Dolphins are going to get that, that top pick, top five, top three pick, number three pick, right? I'm not mistaken. Number three. Um, and it goes look, there you to, go. to our conversation. Dolphins are going to have an option at quarterback. You, know, you would think even if the Jets, even if the Jags and Jets go Lawrence, which will go one, and then the Jets say, hey, we're going to take Fields. You're the Dolphins. You got, if you are in love with Wilson, the kid from BYU that I know you love, 
he's there. That's it. It's an opportunity. Or let's say the Jets say, hey, we're going to stick with Sam Darnold and we're going to take Sewell or we're going to take uh, – we need Devontae Smith. We need a receiver. Then you're staring at Justin Fields right there. Right? Touchdowns the other day, uh, as you mentioned, in that game. I mean – well, and Will, here, here, here's the other thing, and, and sorry not to cut you off, but you're, st- you're sitting there staring at Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, and you're going to have a team that is sitting there probably top five, top seven, who would love to get one of those guys and, and will give you a king's ransom to move up, and you can go back and still get the receiver that you want so badly. I, it just I, So I, I'll say this. You asked me at the outset what was my initial thought. Initial thought, disappointment that they didn't get in, but it changed nothing about what I feel about where this franchise is going long term. I didn't think they would win a playoff game anyway. Yeah, I, not this year. They too much, too many deficiencies, especially uh, with weapons, and and that's fine. That's okay. But will I? I think I, it's just so clear to me what they need to do if indeed they do decide that two is the guy. You gotta build around him, and you gotta help him, and you gotta give him these guys that man you see making catches. Like the type of separation. Anyway, could go on forever. Will no, no. I, I just feel so good about where this franchise is going. I want to write off what you just said there. Look, things that we agree on. I think Dolphin fans that are listening to this podcast agree on, or at least you should. You got your coach right. Brian Flores is your coach. I think you got to feel good. What Brian Flores has done from a team that started zero and seven his first year and finished the year at 5-4 and four, to then go 10-6 and six and have the ability to go to the playoffs. Yes, they fell short, but to win the, you know, 10 games after winning five and a team that uh, was supposedly tanking the year before. You've got a defense that, again, disappointed in Buffalo and, and at times is disappointed, but I think a defense that's got pieces of a rise. You've got two lockdown corners on each side. You know, Emmanuel Agbo was phenomenal. What a great signing and move that was in the offseason. You have pieces there that you really like, and you have all these assets. So when you take a step back from the frustration of giving up 56 points in Buffalo and the three interceptions from Tua and the four other games that you needed just one to go your way didn't go your way, and all the things that happened, you got to sit back and go, oh, my God, the Dolphins went 10-6. and six. They are, Clay, and I think we talked about it at times in the pod, and we referenced it with the Heat last year when they made the finals. The Dolphins are a year ahead of schedule. To me – this year, I had the Dolphins' best-case scenario this year was in the 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe they get lucky and go 9-7 and seven range. But that was like, to me, that was like the, the, the longest of shots. I had the Dolphins at 7-9, and nine, and you'd be happy with 8-8, eight eight, right? They went 10-6. Yep. I thought 10-6 and in playoff berth or close to playoff was next year. Now you're a year ahead of that. You've given notice to the league of the type of players you still have, a good core, a good head coach, now, what are the two things? Look, we talked about the assets. We talked about the need to fill certain areas, in particular on offense. you got to figure out what you're going to do with offensive coordinator because, Clay, I do believe that for the third time in three seasons as Brian Flores the head coach, the Dolphins will have a different offensive coordinator to begin the season. I do. I don't think that Chan Gailey will be back, whether he says, hey, it was nice to come back, but I'm stepping down, or whether Brian Flores says, look, we need to get with the times, and if we're going to trust two, we need more explosive dynamic type of offensive coordinator who if they could find one out there but this team is on the rise and these are good conversations to have when you're 10 yep. and 6 in year two of a rebuild this is a good conversation there are a few teams better set up to me in the nfl than the miami dolphins moving forward no 100 percent. and I, again i i you want to separate the emotion 
of missing out of the playoffs and being very disappointed, especially when you read all this stuff about how there was a 77% chance of getting in. Uh, and I, I did feel as though they would find a way. And, and yet I, I didn't think this was a team that was equipped to go to Buffalo and, and win a playoff game anyway. I didn't think this was a team that would go into uh, a Tennessee and potentially beat the Titans there, maybe a Pittsburgh, maybe, but it, it, this only changed to me that you missed out on this year, the excitement of getting into the tournament as Bill Parcells would, would call it. It doesn't change the long-term outlook of this franchise. It was a brutal game on Sunday and yet, if you're a Dolphins fan that's sitting there kind of – and I'm one of these guys, Will, and, and people who've listened to me understand this. I love the off-seasons for all these sports. I love trade talk. I love draft talk. I, I, I really enjoy the games, but I love the discussion about it. The Dolphins are going to control this draft, and that's really cool. And because the number one pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence. He's going to Jacksonville. Beyond that – Either the Jets choose a quarterback or they don't, but I don't think there's going to be much separation between Wilson and Justin Fields. You're the Dolphins. You're going to have two first-round picks. You're going to control the draft at number three. You're going to be able to do whatever you want there. You're going to have cap space. You're going to have great free agent receivers available. I just think it's all coming together so well in that your needs are going to match up with your draft position and also with what's going to be available in free agency. And that's rare. And, and so, you know, you're, you're looking at, okay, is it Allen Robinson? Is it Galladay? I think those are the two great names. Is it one of those rookie guys? Is it both? I mean, do you get both of those? Do you go and you get an Allen Robinson and then you draft a Jamar Chase? We're going to have months to talk about all this, but I think I'd be excited just thinking about it because I just think the possibilities are, are endless for this team. And it's it's because of of how the Dolphins have kind of built the foundation here. Am I sure that two is the guy 100%? I'm not 100% sure. But I also think that the reason why I'm not 100% sure is because there have been such clear deficiencies that would allow you to evaluate the quarterback. And I trust Brian Flores and Chris Greer to make an evaluation where we simply don't have the information to do it. So as we wrap up this pod, let's, 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 State the obvious for those who are who are kind of want an overview of what we discussed and maybe you know listen through or fast forward or whatever it may be or try to get a grasp of what we're saying here. This is my take in 30 seconds or less, and then I want you to give yours as an overview. Dolphins had a great year. They went 10 and 6. They're a year yep. ahead of schedule. They have the third pick in the draft. I'm not sure you can have a better formula for that. I think Brian Flores is their coach, and I think you can't have a true assessment of what Tua Tugavaloa can be until you give him weapons. But I don't believe in any way that they should cut bait or move on from Tua and draft a quarterback in the top five in that third pick. I think the Dolphins are about as good a position as any team in the NFL moving forward. And as sour as you have that taste in your mouth from the ugliness in Buffalo and not making the playoffs, this clay was a great season for the Miami Dolphins organization. Yep. Yep. You are at this cool place. And, and I likened it a bit to, to what the Heat did last year, although I, obviously the Heat making the finals made it a bit different. But you're in this really cool place where every step is fun. You're getting better. You're ascending. And you also have the chance to get so much better. And I'll tell you, man, that's a really cool place to be as a fan. It's just where you can enjoy the little victories, understand that, man, that was really disappointing you didn't get into the playoffs. But that you know you're you don't yet have the weight of expectations and look I'll admit being somebody who who's followed the Saints for years you get a little spoiled and and I, I you know me I I get spoiled when they don't make the Super Bowl I get mad and that's 
like I need to kind of step back and be more appreciative of, of where the Saints were and where they are now. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're in that cool ascension spot where like Saints fans were right when Sean Payton took over. And so like, enjoy this. You're, it's not going to be like this again. At some point, the weight of expectations will, will make it to where the losses hurt more than the wins are fun. Now, go out there, get your receivers, get the exciting playmakers, and enjoy this ride because it's such a cool place to be in as a fan. I think that's, you know, if you took anything from the podcast, take that. The Dolphins are an ascending team. It's a disappointing finish, but they went 10-6. and six. They've got a lot of nice pieces, a ton of assets, and, yes, the third overall pick in the draft, among other picks, including later in the first round, to continue to build and what I think will be around Tua and you hope that that young man learns from the tough moments he had this season and certainly down the stretch there were plenty but I think that's the way you become a star in this league and I still have faith that Tua can be that with the right pieces around them all right Clay so we've got one four months to talk more draft uh, I know we'll talk plenty and obviously Miami Heat and everything else going on in South Florida for the new year so happy we could talk in 2021 that is your Miami sports pod the Dolphins fall short but end a very very nice season at 10 and 6 a lot of good things coming in the future.